Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. And amen. As we come to this passage of Scripture, we've come here uh, several times over the last several weeks, and I think most of you here uh, already have a good understanding of where we've been and uh, what's going on in this chapter. Of course, the Lord Jesus is sending out these 70 disciples. He has sent out His apostles in chapter number 9 into the regions of Galilee, and now uh, He is sending uh, these uh, these, uh, uh, into the regions of Judea. When we come here, we've already dealt uh, with the the, the first three verses. Uh, We've dealt with what the Bible is saying here. Last time uh, we were in this passage of Scripture, we dealt with verse number two. And we talked about, uh, in verse number one, we talked about, we're talking about the story of the scent. We talked about in verse number one, the plan of the scent. And then in verse number two and three, we began to talk about the perspective of the scent. Here we see uh, they're talking about how Christ would have for us to view our service for Him, how He would view for uh, have for us to view when He has saved us and He is sending us into a lost and dying world uh, to serve Him and the cause of Christ. We talked about some reasons why, folks, amen, here we see uh, in verse number 2 uh, there is a certainty that stands that He tells us we are to keep in our perspective in verse 2 where He says the harvest truly is great and no doubt that is a certainty tonight. The harvest truly is great. But then we see where he says, but the laborers are few. That is another certainty here in the text. And we begin to talk about some reasons why uh, the laborers may be few. Why uh, would there be few laborers for God? Could be, as we've already noted, could be that uh, there's more lost people in our church than we give credit for. And we try to, uh, there's people without, even without Jesus in their heart that are trying to labor for him and do a work for him. It could be because not only could they be lost, but there's some that could be a long way from God. There's some that could be laying hold upon fear and allowing fear to keep them uh, from laboring for the Lord. Amen. And then there's some that could just simply uh, be lazy and why and have uh, maybe not even physical laziness, but a spiritual laziness. We talked about what the Bible has to say there. So there is a certainty that stands. And then uh, the last time we were in this passage, we also talked about how he tells us to have in our perspective as God is sending us and use wanting to use us not only those certainties that stand but also the call that supplies in verse number two he says pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest so if there if there are few laborers and the harvest is great and there are a few amount of laborers Christ said that we are to pray that God would send forth laborers into his harvest. If if the need for laborers is ever going to be supplied, it is going to be supplied when God's people get to calling on God and asking Him to send forth laborers. Amen. And then as we concluded the last time we were here, amen, we we began to deal, and I introduced this but I didn't preach this, in verse number 3 and 4, we see not only in this perspective of those that Christ is sending to do a work for Him, you 
you and I that are saved in here in this context, these 70 disciples, not only is there a certainty that stands, not only is there a call that supplies that is mentioned here, but then thirdly in verse 3 and 4, we see that there is a condition that scares. The condition of those that he is sending out to do a service for him, he mentions is one that can be a very scary thing. And I just briefly introduced that thought uh, to you the last time we were in this passage about how scary it can be uh, to serve the Lord. How scary it can be uh, to be a soul winner. How scary it can be uh, to go out and tell people about Jesus. And while that is the case, that should, that fear, that's that, that, uh, that anxiety, amen, should not stop us from doing what God has sent us into the world to do. Here in verse number 3, he says, go your ways. We talked about that, how we need to go our personal ways, how God has laid out for us a personal way of walking with Him and serving Him. You'll be able to serve areas, uh, God in areas that I won't be able to serve God. You'll be able to reach people that I won't be able to reach. And so he told them to go your ways. Go the way that only you can go. In this passage of Scripture, we know they went out two by two, but there is a personal nature in these ways mentioned here in the verse. But then he goes on to say, Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. We talked about how that is an unsure condition. A lamb among wolves, a man being lambs among wolves, is one of the most uncertain conditions that you'll ever find yourself in. One of the most uncertain places that you could ever find yourself. It's not, hey man, it's not a, it's not a good and an easy thing to be a lamb in the midst of wolves, but that's the way God's told us He's sending us into this world. Wolves, I'll say this, wolves in the Bible are frequently mentioned. And we see, if you do a study of the word wolves, there's two things that I have found in my study of the Word of God that uh, when Christ talks about wolves and when the Bible uh, refers to wolves in uh, this metaphorical sense that's being uh, used here, amen, this is not uh, Jesus saying that they were literally lambs in the midst of literal wolves. He's speaking to human beings beings here. I think uh, we can all readily agree upon that. But he's using this metaphorically. He is using this in a way of personification. Uh, he is telling them that uh, those that they, uh, they as lambs, they uh, as weak, if I can put it that way, uh, they as uncertain. There's nothing more uncertain than a lamb. Uh, there's nothing more uh, timid than a lamb. And that's what he is mentioning when he's talking about how he has sent us out because we do live in a world that outside of these doors there's a lot of wolves. There's a lot of wolves in church much less outside of church. Amen. So when we think about what the Bible says about wolves in my study of the Word of God the first thing I've noticed is that our God has used the word wolves in the Bible to uh, first of all deal with prophets that are false. Ezekiel 22-27 says her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood to 
to destroy souls and to get dishonest gain. The Bible here is talking about, amen, those that come in and they're making havoc of the people of God. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Acts 20, 29, Paul said to the, uh, the Ephesian elders, he said, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So the Bible here says that when you and I go out in the service of God, you and I are supposed to be lambs, and we're not meant to be wolves. Although we're going to be serving God as lambs in the midst of wolves. I think these different comparisons in the Word of God will remind us that you and I, amen, are not to be like these false prophets that he has called wolves. We're not to be interested in hurting the flock. We're not to be interested in, uh, amen, as was mentioned in Ezekiel, amen, destroying, so, destroying souls and getting dishonest gain. But when Christ sends us out, amen, you and I are to be interested in not hurting the church, but helping the church, not hurting sinners and destroying their souls and sending them to hell, amen, and getting dishonest gain. But we are to try to help them, help them all the way to Jesus, amen, amen, give them the truth instead of that which is false, amen. It deals with prophets that are false. But then in Matthew 10, go with me there, Matthew 10, 16, we see that the word wolves is used in the Bible to also talk about persecution that is faced. Not only prophets that are false, but persecution that is faced. Amen. This right here picks up with similar language to the wording of our text here. Matthew chapter number 10 is a comparison passage dealing with these 70 being sent. And the Bible here in Matthew's gospel, it does uh, add a little bit of detail to the words of our text. Matthew 10, 16, uh, Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. That sounds just like our text, does it not? Amen. But then he goes on to say this, Because he is sending them forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, he said, Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Do you know that when Christ sends us into his service, he has every intention for you and I to be wise? Amen. By the way, wisdom is something that you ought to have in your life. You ought to seek after wisdom. Amen. The book of Proverbs implores us to incorporate wisdom and ask God for wisdom. And let, by the way, the book of Proverbs said it was given for you and I to have wisdom. Amen. If you need more wisdom, amen. If you don't feel like you have much biblical wisdom, go to the book of Proverbs. Study that book. Amen. Because if you're going to serve God, God wants you to be as wise as serpents. Amen. And it also, the Bible also says it wants you to be harmless as doves. As I just mentioned a moment ago, unlike those false prophets, when we go out, our intention shouldn't be to hurt anybody. Right. Now, there may be times that you and I in our flesh, we end up doing that. Amen. We're just human beings. We're just uh, frail and faulty. Amen. We'll make mistakes. We may uh, say something a little rough or amen, a little, a little uh, against the grain, if you will. We may uh, hurt some feelings when we 
we don't mean to, amen. But as you serve God, your perspective ought to be that if I'm going to serve God, I'm going to do it in wisdom, and I'm going to do it as harmless as I can, amen. I'm not talking about being a compromiser. I'm not talking about laying down standards, amen. I'm not talking about uh, being an ecumenical, uh, amen, going along with the ecumenical world and just let's all sing kumbaya, amen, and just uh, let's go along to get along. That's, what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about uh, this evening, amen. But I do believe it's still in my Bible. And if you've got the one, the right one, it's still in yours, amen. As much as life's within us, we should live peaceably with all men, amen. We're not supposed uh, to try to hurt anybody, amen. We're supposed to try to be a help, amen. And we see here Jesus said that when he sent them, he told them to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I think one of the reasons for that is if you're in the midst of wolves, number one, a lamb in the midst of wolves, you're going you're gonna to need some wisdom. That's the way you're going to operate. Amen. If you don't use wisdom and you're a lamb among wolves, guess what's going to happen? You're probably going to end up being lunch before long. Amen. But then harmless as doves, you start poking the wolf too much. Again, you're going to be lunch. Amen. When it comes to dealing in a world full of wolves, God expects his lambs to be wise and harmless, to operate in a way that is what God would have. Amen. Look at verse 17 of the text there, Matthew 10. He says, but beware of men. I think that is good sage advice for a Christian. Beware of men. If anybody's going to hurt you, it'll be men. Beware of men. Mankind. For they will deliver you up to the councils. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is for his service not to put too much confidence in the flesh. Amen. Do not put too much confidence in mankind. Don't put all of your confidence in other people. He says you put your confidence, and we'll deal with this more in a minute. We're to put our confidence in Christ and to beware of men. Right. Amen. We're to have a love for the brethren. The Bible says that's how the, that's how the world would know that we belong to Jesus. It's because of our love for the brethren. We ought not to stay away, amen, from mankind. We're to have a love for sinners. We're to have a love for saints. Amen. We're not to just be completely on an island by ourselves, but at the same time, if you're wise like you should be, you'll realize that, there's, that there are members of mankind you must beware of. He says, for they will deliver you up to councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, by the way, what encouraging words these are to be sent out in God's service in. Amen. Can you imagine being these disciples here and listening to the Lord give uh, these words to them? Amen. He talked about how he sent them forth as uh, lambs, uh, as sheep in the midst of wolves. Amen. Um, and then as he uh, goes on, he talks about beware of men, for they're going to deliver you up to councils, and they're going to scourge you in their synagogues. Amen. I think just about every one of us would probably say, well, sign me up for that. Amen. That sounds like a great deal to me. Amen. Being scourged in the synagogues and having to be aware of folks that want to deliver me up to councils, want to have me arrested. Amen. And the Lord tells us that the reason why that's going to happen is because the Lord wants them to be a testimony to those individuals. Right. Amen. I think about the Apostle Paul often. He would have never been able to witness to some of the people that God called him to witness to if he never would have got arrested. 
Amen. He never committed a crime, but he got arrested all the time for preaching the gospel. And I, one of the reasons is, if not the primary reason, is because God, amen, wanted him to be a witness to those that were in the palaces. Amen. Wanted him to be in their jails. Wanted them, wanted he and them to be in those house prisons. Amen. So that they can be a witness to the sinners that they would not have, he would not have met if he wouldn't have been brought into those circumstances. I believe we see this here. The Bible said, you shall be brought before governors in verse 18 and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. And notice this, and when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Now I've heard a lot of preachers like to take this verse and use it as a reason to get up in the pulpit and not have not have studied and not have gotten anything from God and just one of those I'll open my mouth and let God fill it uh, type deal because God said, amen, that um, said here that, uh, that I will give you what you shall speak and I'll give it to you in the hour that you need to speak it. That has nothing to do with preaching. It has everything to do with persecution. Amen. When you, when you are literally looking down uh, at a threat of death, Jesus said you don't have to worry about what you're going to say in that moment. I'll give you the words that you need to say. Amen. In verse number 20 he says, For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And uh, the, the brother uh, and, bro and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. For he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And I'm not going to preach on these things. It's not my burden tonight. But he says, and when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel until the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant of his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call uh, them of his household? Fear not, uh, fear them not therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. I, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body and are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear them which is, above, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. While these words that Jesus gives are not necessarily the most encouraging words to be sent out in his service with, it is wonderful to know, amen, that even in our service for him as we are lambs among wolves and we there are there with the child of God is no friend of the world and the world will put a bullseye on your back as one of their enemies, amen, for standing against their agenda and standing for God and right and standing for the word of God. Aren't you glad that even if it gets that bad. I don't know how you saw this text, but even as I read it, my heart rejoiced. Amen. Because if even if it gets that bad, hallelujah, God said he'd be with us all the way. Amen. When we go and serve God, let's remember he'll be with us every step of the way. Amen. Yes, we may be sent out as lambs among wolves, but I'm so thankful that we've got a God, amen, who will protect us, who will provide what we need to say. Amen. Who will let us be identified 
identified with him even in his suffering. Amen. And he will not leave us comfortless in it all. Amen. I thank God for this. The Bible here talks about an unsure condition. But then number two, I want you to see this. Not only do we need uh, to understand that this condition that scares in verse 3 and 4 is an unsure condition, but it is also an unsupplied condition. An unsupplied condition. Notice what the Bible here says in verse number 4. I think we understand now in verse 3, he told them, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. A little bit about what Jesus is intending for them there. What he is implying for them and alluding to them in their service and getting them prepared for. But notice this. This is an interesting part of this passage. Jesus is sending them out on divine orders. He is sending them out to do his service. But notice what he says in verse 4. Carry neither purse nor script. Isn't this interesting? Nor shoes. And salute no man, by the way. In other words, you don't carry, you don't carry your purse. Don't, and I'll deal with these here in a moment. Don't carry your purse. Don't carry a script. Don't carry shoes with you. And don't salute. Don't greet anybody while you're headed out to do what I told you to do. Doesn't it sound like Jesus here is almost being exceptionally cruel to his servants? He says, don't take any of these things with you, and just make sure you don't even give kind words to anybody when you leave. There's a reason for all of this. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 4. I think the key to what Jesus is saying here, as confusing as it has been to many saints of God down through the years, what Jesus is trying to say here, I believe that there is a ministerial purpose behind what he's saying here. I believe that there is a very real message for us this evening. Notice, I believe it all is wrapped up in this word, carry. In other words, Jesus is not telling them. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of people that had issues that I've studied behind with the fact that Jesus said, carry no, do not carry shoes. As if Jesus is telling his, uh, is telling his uh, disciples to go out without anything to shod their feet with, without any shoes to wear. And then also when he told them not to greet anybody like he's trying to uh, install stuck up disciples or something. But here, that's not what Jesus is saying. Notice the word carry here in our text. He does not tell them not to have shoes. He says, do not carry shoes. Amen. There's a difference. Carry does not refer to the basic elements of clothing that they would have had on. He is not sending them out without shoes for the journey. He is not sending them out without basic clothing necessities. He is sending them out with what they already have on, but he is telling them not to carry anything extra. He is telling them not to carry anything that is not needed. He is sending them out without extras. He is sending them out without, without the luggage. Amen. That brings us such a comfort when we are traveling. He is sending them out on their journey without even taking the time to pack a bag first. I believe that Jesus is telling them that what they are doing for him is so important that there needs be no delay. You set out now. Don't go home and try to pack a bag and fill it with all of the things that will bring you comfort 
on your journey and I've got to have this and I've got to have that and I've got to have all of the comforts of life. Jesus said, if you're going to serve me, you don't need to be interested. Amen. Uh, to, in order to serve me, to have everything that makes you comfortable and everything that you like. Amen. It's, I don't believe that Jesus has a problem with you and I having good things in life. Amen. But if that is a condition for you serving the Lord, amen, Jesus says that you're not, you're not able to truly serve him. If you've got to have this and you've got to have that in order to even set out to serve the Lord, Jesus here is telling them, do not delay. Don't go home. Don't take the time to pack a bag. There's souls that need to be reached now. There's cities you need to go to now. Notice he says here, he says, carry neither purse. What's that purse? Well, you ladies can answer that question. What's a purse? It's exactly what we would call a purse. It's a money bag. Amen. In this day, men and women both had money bags. He said, do not carry a bag with money in it. Don't carry a bag to put your money. You don't need to be worried about your personal wealth and your personal finances when it comes to serving me. You don't need to have your mind on where your money is and to make sure along the way, if you get some money, you have somewhere to stow, to stow it away. He said, don't worry about that. I believe he's dealing with their priorities. I believe he's dealing with their focus. Amen. He's not interested in them focusing on the secular. He is interested in them focusing on the spiritual. He's not interested in them making sure they've got everything that makes them feel okay. He is making sure that he gets a message out that will let the lost world truly be okay when they leave this world. Amen. He said, don't carry with your, don't carry with you your purse. He said, don't carry with you a script. A script was a leather bag or sack for carrying food or belongings or possessions. This would have been their, this would have been their go bag. This would have been their carry on, if you will. This would have been their uh, little bag with all of the little things that they may, uh, you know how we are when we pack. Amen. Me and my wife just got done doing this. Amen. Y'all should have seen that, uh, that Honda out there. Amen. Here I am preaching about don't bring this and don't bring this. When you go serve God, amen, that Honda was crammed, amen. I open up the bag hatch and I'm just sitting there bracing to make sure nothing falls out, amen. <laughs> Between me and all the kids and wife and then uh, Riley being with us, well, she only packed one bag, amen. We're the ones that, amen, looked like we were moving out or something, amen. But uh, here, you think about it, think about how we are when we pack, Amen. For, for us, I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you. When we pack, a lot of times Tori does most of the basic packing. My job is to make sure we go, I go through everything, make sure all my stuff is the way I want it, and then to go back. And my main job has always been to make sure we didn't forget anything. I usually, if I have time, which since we've added a third child, the time isn't there to do this anymore. But I used to make a list of everything we need. Now I'm just trying to keep up with it. Amen. And to say if we miss out on anything, we'll go to the store, I guess. Amen. But, uh, uh, but that, was always, that was always what I did. Went through and made sure we didn't forget anything. And the, 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 the larger our family gets, the more we make sure we have what we really want when we go to the hotel. I don't know how you guys are, but for me, if I'm going to a hotel, I'm bringing my own pillows. I don't, I don't care for hotel pillows. There's a lot of things that I have to have that's mine. You know, I, we bring our own shampoo and conditioner. 
By the time, by the time she gets done washing her hair, there ain't enough shampoo left for even mine. Amen. So with those little half an ounce that you get, amen. So y'all understand what I'm talking about. Amen. There's things that I like that I'm going to have from home. Comforts from home when I go stay in a strange place. Amen. If I could bring my whole house with me, I probably would. Amen. Amen. But uh, here, here's what Jesus is telling them. We, uh, we have our go bag of all of our comfort items. Jesus said, don't worry about that. You watch. Next time I go out of town to preach, I'm going to be convicted by my message tonight. Amen. <laughs> don't worry about that. You're serving me. Amen. He says, don't bring that script, that leather bag of all of the food items. See, here, here, here was the mentality, though. Why would Jesus tell them not carry a script? Because if they have a script full of items as they put items in that bag, what they are doing is making sure they're providing for themselves. Is that not what they're doing? They would put, they would put food in that script. And here's what, when, you, when they're putting food in that script, here's what they're saying, just in case God doesn't feed us, we've got food. Just in case I don't have this item that I need, I'm going to make sure I have it. The whole idea behind what Jesus is saying is you don't have to take care of yourself. If you're serving me, I will take care of you. Don't worry about the script. Don't worry about taking care of yourself. You won't need it. I'm going to take care of you. Amen. We've all heard it said before, God will not lead where he will not feed. Amen. God, amen. God will not put us in places where He is not going to take care of us. Amen. And then when it talks about the shoes, it is talking about sandals, amen, that they would have wore in that ancient world. Amen. Mark chapter 6, verse 8 brings further clarity what Jesus is saying. When in Mark 6, 8, the Bible says and that Jesus commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. Save a staff only. You just bring, you bring something that will make sure you stay up. You stay upright on your journey. You make sure you bring a staff with you to help you as you traverse the rough terrain. Amen. He said, don't bring a script. He said, don't bring bread in Mark 6, 8. He said, don't bring money in your purse. He said, don't take anything but a staff. Amen. So here he's telling them. He is telling them here, uh, carry neither purse nor script nor shoes. And then notice this. He says, and salute no man by the way. This word salute means to greet. It means to welcome. Uh, with, it means to express good wishes. It means to pay respect. It means to bid farewell. It means to treat with affection. It literally carries the idea of enfolding one in your arms in an embrace. In other words, he's saying don't worry, amen, about saying goodbye to mom and dad. Amen. It wasn't it Jesus that said any man that putteth his hand to the plow looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Is it not Jesus that said, amen, when, they, when some of uh, those that uh, were talking about serving him said, Jesus, let me go and bury my loved one. He said, let the dead bury their dead. Amen. Wasn't it Jesus, amen, that pretty much told them, don't go back and say goodbye. You set out on the journey of serving me or you're not worthy to serve me. Amen. That's what Jesus said. He said, don't worry about bidding farewell. Don't worry about uh, giving people good wishes and having a great send off. Amen. You just get busy about doing a service for me. And then here's another aspect of this saluting. 
in this. And I've mentioned this before in a previous message when I preached out of this text and applied it to missions and missionaries uh, back in August of last year. But this, where he talks about, and salute no man, by the way, in, in Bible days, they had cultural greetings uh, as they passed each other on the roads. Uh, they were required to stop and to give a ceremonial cultural greeting. These greetings uh, would involve elaborate ceremonies. They would involve formalities. Sometimes they would, think about this, the part of their ceremony just to extend a kind word and a greeting, Brother Tommy. Some of us wouldn't mind this, but Jesus said don't do this. Amen. Part of their greetings could even go as far as you go traveling with them to their house, kindly conversing along the way and allowing them to prepare a meal for you and to sit down and eat together. It was a lengthy greeting. That's why Jesus said salute no man, by the way. In this culture, there was only one way that you'd get out of that elaborate greeting. And the only way you'd get out of it is if your task, if your business that you were leaving for was urgent enough that you could not be delayed. That's what Jesus is telling them here. He's saying, I'm sending you out on business that is too urgent for you to stop and greet everyone the way you're supposed to. The way that our culture says that we should. This would be something that could take several hours, if not even more than a day, to give the right kind of greeting as a traveler along the way. Jesus said, you don't have time to stop and spend hours or even minutes with every person that you pass along the way in the journey. I've got cities for you to get to. I've got preparation work for you to do. I'm coming behind you in just a little while. I need you to go and get about the Father's business. Amen. And so he is telling them that what he is sending them to do is so urgent that they cannot, they don't have time to stop for these cultural greetings. And I'll say this, it's not the business of winning souls and telling people about Jesus. Amen. Urgent business. Amen. We don't have time as the children of God that have been saved to serve and are serving because Christ has sent us we don't have time to play games. We don't have time to entangle ourselves and yoke ourselves up with so many entanglements in this world. Christ has sent us to do a business for Him. And by the way, church, He's coming behind us very shortly. He's coming back. Amen. Aren't you glad Jesus is coming back? Amen. He has implored us in a task. Just like these 70 disciples, He said that He was sending them into every city and place whither He Himself would come. He has sent you and I according to Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8 at Matthew 28 and all of the great commission passages. He has sent you and I into all the world. And thank God, don't you know where Jesus is coming back to? He's coming back to this world. He said, I'm sending you out to everywhere in the world because I'm coming back to the world. Amen. To rapture my church. Amen. And to begin to time of Jacob's trouble. And at that moment, your service will be too late. Right. He said, you don't have time to mess around. 
You don't have time to play games. You need to be about the Father's business. You need to realize the urgency of the task. And you need to get about doing what God has created us and saved us and sent us to do for His cause and for His purpose. Amen. Here we see this in the text. It is an unsupplied condition. He said, don't take this and don't take that. I would say this, what he is instilling in them is that they do not need stuff. All they need is their Savior. They do not need material possessions. All they need is the leadership of their Lord and Master. If we have Jesus, there is nothing else that we need. It may feel at times that we are unequipped. It may feel like at times that we're unprepared to do the service of the Lord. It may not feel like we have everything we need. Amen. We may not have everything that others have. Amen. We may feel in our service, I'm not ready for this. I don't have what I need to serve God. I feel like I'm unsupplied, but he's sending me anyway. Can I just quickly encourage you that if you have Jesus, you have everything you need to serve the Lord and to do a great work for God. Amen. It's not about us. It's all about him tonight. Amen. I'm glad I've got Jesus tonight to work through me and to serve through me. Amen. I'm glad glad it doesn't have anything to do with me. Right. Here in this passage, Jesus does not tell them what to bring, but rather he tells them what not to bring. He is telling them that they can trust him for uh, to meet every need. Notice what he goes on to say here. He says in verse 5, into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, peace be to this house. I'll come back to that in just a moment. He says in verse 6, And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Notice what he says here, And in the same house remain. So Jesus is sending them to go into people's homes. In this period of time, it would not have been, it would not have been culturally acceptable for many of the children of Israel to spend any time in what uh, we, would, we would call inns. They, Luke chapter number two talks about the end that Jesus tried to tried to his parents uh, or his uh, his earthly father and his mother Mary tried to go to and there was no room for him in the end. Those ends were places for the ill repute. That's where your harlots would stay. That's where your wicked men and your wicked women would stay. It would not have been customary for the servants of God to go there. When we look in Luke chapter number 2, Mary, uh, Mary and Joseph are trying to go to the only option they have for housing to have their son in. And then, of course, we know the story. God uh, sends them to the manger. But here we find that Christ is not telling them to go to the ends that would have been available to them. He's telling them that they are to go and to stay in people's houses. In this culture, this would not have been something where these people would have went door to door and say, can I stay with you? They would not step foot into someone's home without a personal invitation to come in. So in the very fact that Jesus is telling them that into whatsoever house ye enter, here's what he's telling them. He is telling them that not only is he, is he going to take care of them to where they don't need to bring anything in a culture to where they're not even supposed to walk inside of a house until they get a personal invitation. Jesus Jesus is reminding them that he's going to take care of them so much that he is already working on the hearts of those along the journey that they will. Uh, he is promising them that they will receive that personal invitation to stay. He's given them instructions on what to do when they get in the house. 
They hadn't even been invited to come in yet. Jesus is telling them, I'm going to take care of you. I've already got places for you to go. So much, you're just as good as they are, that I'm giving you instructions on what to do when you get there. Amen. Amen. He tells them here, he, he tells them, amen, that they are, uh, to, uh, they are to go whatever house they go into. They're to say, peace be to this house. Verse 7, he says, and in the same, once you get in the house, he said, in the same house remain. He's telling them, don't go from house to house. He's telling them, don't try uh, to find a better place. Notice what he says here. He says, in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. What does that tell you? Not only is he providing, working on people's hearts to give them the personal invitation to come in, but he is already telling them that when you get there, they're going to give you things. That's how well he's going to take care of his servants. Don't, you don't have to worry about what you're going to bring to take care of yourself. I've already provided you a place, places to, a place to stay. I've already got uh, food, uh, amen, on the menu for you when you get there. They're going to take care of you, amen. He says, and he tells them in the same house remain, eating and drinking. That means they're going to have food. They're going to have plenty of drink to take care of them. They're not going to be dehydrated. They're not going to starve. They're going to take care of them. He said uh, for them to remain in that house eating and drinking such things as they give. And here I find this interesting. He says, for the labor is worthy of his hire. He's told them, he said, when they give it to you, don't be bashful about taking it. It's not them that's giving it to you. It is me that is providing it for you. He said the labor is worthy of his hire. You know how we are. I had it happen today. I wasn't expecting it, but I had it happen today. First time in probably 10 years or so of preaching in that meeting. First time I was ever given payment for going. And they handed it to me, and I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, I wasn't expecting this. You don't have to do that. And I hear that all the time when we take care of preachers that come in here and, 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 and things of that nature. It is in our nature to say, you know, you don't have to do this. But here Jesus says, don't be bashful when they give things to you. The labor is worthy of his hire. Yeah. Dr. Ed McAbee taught us in Bible college. He said, he said, boys, he said, if anybody in any church wants to do anything for you, you let them. Because if you say no, I know you're trying and you're trying to be kind and you're trying to be humble. But he said, if you don't let them do for you what they want to do for you, you are robbing God's people of a blessing from being good to the man of God. Yes, he's, he's told us, he said, I, he said, I'll let people give me things I don't even want. Just because they're going to get a blessing for giving it to me. Amen. Amen. And no doubt in the 60, some, 60 plus years of Dr. McAbee's ministry, he was taken great care of. Amen. God's taken good care of us. I appreciate the church taking such good care of us. Amen. Here the Bible said the labor is worthy of his hire. He said, don't you push away from the table. You take whatever they'll give. Don't push away from the drinks they give. You eat what you need, what they give. You, they're taking care of God's man. They're taking care of God's labor. But then he goes on to say this. If they're going to do that, make sure you don't go from house to house. Let me tell you what our tendency is. And I believe, that this, I believe this is in mind when we uh, see Jesus saying this. Our tendency is now not on the spiritual side of us, but on the, on the fleshly side of us. We may be in a house today and it may be just a little shack and the food may be okay. And then we, we're there, and then we st every time we come in and out of the premises from our work in the city, if you will, you may walk by that house. It's not a shack where you know 
they probably got some really good groceries on the table. And you'd say, well, I wonder if I go over there, I wonder if they'll open up the door for me. And they window shop a little bit. Jesus said, if they're taking care of you, don't go from house to house. Don't, don't be worried. Don't be concerned with getting to greener pastures. Don't be concerned with uh, having uh, better accommodations. He said, he, said don't, he told them, don't worry. I'm going to take care of you. Amen. And isn't it just like human beings, just like you and I, to have the God of heaven preparing hearts to open us, open up a door for us to come in the homes and get, uh, say, uh, get uh, shelter like he's mentioned here in the text. And isn't it just like us that God is already putting it on? somebody's heart to feed us and to give us drink and to take good care of us and to constantly give and to give. Isn't it just like human beings uh, to have God doing all of that for us and in the back of our minds saying, I bet you I could have it better somewhere else. That's just like us. Amen. Amen. At least, at least that's how I can be at times, and no doubt you can as well. He is telling, he is telling them here in the same house, remain. Don't go hunting for more prestigious or comfortable accommodations. He talks about such things as they give. I also don't, but I believe he's talking about, amen, you keep, you keep taking whatever they're willing to give. Don't, uh, amen, don't, uh, don't, don't turn your uh, uh, nose up against what they're giving, and don't them and a blessing. But I believe what he's saying here when he says such things as they give, I also believe he's saying don't complain about what they give. You take what they're given. And he said, and he said don't ask for more. You take whatever they give. Don't be stingy. Here You say, preacher, why? Why do you think Jesus is saying all of this? I'll tell you why I think. I believe Jesus is letting us know it's not all about us. Yes, I, I want to be more comfortable. Don't, don't bring your script. Don't bring your purse. Don't bring an extra pair of shoes just in case the ones that you're currently wearing wear out. Don't bring your more comfortable pair. Some commentators think that, that that shoes is talking about a completely different kind of footwear. Something that completely engulfs the foot and is a little bit more comfortable. He said, he's telling them, well, I want to be, be comfortable. He said, don't worry about your comfort. He's telling them, well, I may not like what they put before me. He said, you don't have to worry about liking what they put before you. I'm sure, like Brother Roberts mentioned in our, uh, in our missions, uh, missions uh, uh, revival, he talked about how being in Vietnam, he had eaten just about anything there was to eat. I don't think I'll ever forget about him talking about the Black Angus puppy, amen, having to eat dog where he's from. I don't, I don't think... A lot of those things that he probably ate, he really enjoyed. But I do believe he probably lived out the, the, the words of this text. You eat what they give you. God's the one that's providing it for you. you, take, you God's taking care of you, and it's what you'll need. You know it's, it's what you'll need because God's the one giving it to you. God doesn't want his children to be complainers when we serve him. God doesn't want his children to have certain standards that God's got to keep if I'm going to keep serving him. God's not interested in making a bunch of whiners out of his, out of his labors. He, if God's taking care of us, we ought to be thankful that we're getting what we're getting. We ought to be thankful where we go, amen, that God saw enough in us to take care of us. And he tells them, when he says the labor is worthy of his hire, he's telling, you, telling them do not refuse what they give because you don't think that you're worthy of abundant hospitality. Amen. amen. Look, look at verse number 7 with me. When he says here in the same house, remain eating and drinking such things as they give for the labor. 
laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Let me just state a couple of lessons that I see from this passage and then we'll make our way to a close this evening. Seven, I'll give you a couple of lessons from verse 7. Number one, I believe he is telling them when he tells them not to go from house to house and in the same house remain, I think he's telling them to make sure they establish themselves in one particular area of ministry. You go there and you gain the people's trust. You let them get a chance to know who you are. You let them get a chance to know what you're about. You stay with them. You let them love you. You let them take care of you. You let them, uh, you, you let them get to know who you are and to be able to trust you. Don't be a rambling man, I believe is what he's teaching them. Amen. Number two, I believe he's telling them don't always be looking for the next best thing. I believe he's telling them that's not why they are in the Lord's service. It's not about green your pastors. Number three, I believe he's telling them not to waste time with trivial things. When he tells them, I'm taking care of you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to provide the refreshment that you need. I believe when we start bickering about, well, I don't like broccoli. I don't like this. I don't like that. If you're number one, you're God's servant sitting there, and these people are probably doing everything they can to take care of him the way that he is. Can you imagine being Elijah looking at that widow woman and complaining about the meal that he provided? I don't like that. Well, that's all I've got. I, we were planning on eating, me and my son were going to die. It's all we have, and we're giving it to you. He said, if he said, I don't want that, what kind of a servant of God would he look like? They wouldn't have to look at Elijah and think, well, that's a man of God. They'd look at him and say, well, that's an ungrateful rascal. I don't believe it is representative of Christ when we become complainers. And you know, all of those things, you know, whether it's a steak or whether it's beans and rice, it'll give you enough nourishment to go do what God wants you to do. Right. Amen. Doesn't have to taste the best. Doesn't have to be the greatest thing in the world. Amen. Doesn't have to be. I, I'll give this illustration. I know the pastor won't mind me giving the illustration. But because of us preaching and, and, and all of that this week, me and the pastor at Parkwood were the very last people to sit down and eat. And my wife knows where I'm going. She's the one that told me about it. She snuck a bite off my plate and told me about it. <laughs> me and the pastor of the church, we sat down. They, were, they had nachos with, uh, with the chili and cheese on them. And I, man, I, made, a, I, made, a, I made a good size plate. Yes, and I was going to sit down with it. And before I got to tell, I went to go make a drink. Before I sat down, Tori had already sneaked a bite of my nachos. And she said, I just want to let you know these nachos are stale. All of the other ones were fine. But what they had left that they gave to me and the pastor, you crunched into them, there was no crunch. You know what I did? I ate my nachos. That was all they had. And they wanted to be good. Hey, if they're going to feed their pastor that, I'll take it too. Amen. That was all they had left. They wanted to take care of God's men. And I sat there, and the nachos were fine. They're a little bit more stale than I was used to, but they were fine. I didn't go hungry. And the, 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 the chili and the cheese was good enough to eat by itself. Amen. I just made sure I had plenty of it on each nacho. And, amen. Yes, sir. I don't, want to be an, I don't want to be an ungrateful minister of God. It, they, I wasn't there to complain. 
and I got just as much nourished from stale nachos as I would have from fresh nachos. Amen. I didn't, I didn't go hungry, and I didn't, I didn't even bat an eye about it. I, that, they took care of me. That's what I needed. To complain about stale nachos versus nice, fresh, salty, crisp nachos, you know what that is? When, it, when you look at what God's called us to do and to deal with eternal things, how trivial is that? God isn't concerned when we're serving Him about how stale the nachos are. He said, I'm going to take care of you. Now, I will say this. I believe when God takes care of us, He's not always going to give us stale nachos. I got stale, I got, I got stale nachos, what was it, uh, yesterday? Yes, sir. Well, did they, did they, yeah, this afternoon, right, was where they pulled out all the stuff that was donated. Is that right? Anyway, the church had a, they have a, that youth meeting is provided for in amazing ways. Brother Wardlaw told me, he said that that youth meeting, if they never got another dime given to them for their youth meeting, somebody from outside of the church had already given them enough money to where they could go the next five years without another dime for their youth meeting. And that's housing folks and paying bills for the bathhouses and all the things they've got on the property. That is paying for food to provide three meals a day for, I mean, a good number of people. And most of those teenage boys, and y'all know teenage boys eat twice as much as regular human beings. Providing all that, all the cake and ice cream you could ever eat while you're that was brother, brother Wardlaw. That was his calling card. He said, he said, we will give you all the all the ice cream and candy and all, uh, that you can stand. He said, just when you open it, make sure you eat every bite of it. He said, don't get a big candy bar and eat about that much. He said, nothing grieves him more than a half-eaten Snickers bar. Amen. <laughs> don't leave a Snickers bar laying around. Amen. That nobody else can pick up and eat the rest. Amen. He said, don't waste it. This year, though, under Brother Duncan's pastorate, there has been a man that does not go to their church that has donated many, many pounds of meat Steak, I mean, just what ham and all, all kinds of stuff. And he doesn't even go to church there. Just said, I want, to, I want, I want to be a blessing to your youth meeting. So I had stale nachos one day, and then after, after uh, it, I think it, they had pot roast and hand carved pot roast. I mean, it was. I had stale nachos one day, and then I had one of the most delicious pot roasts you could ever put in your mouth. The very, the very next meal, the very next day. God take good care of us. It's not always stale nachos in the service of the Lord. Amen. Sometimes you'll get delicious mouth-watering pot roast. Amen. But he said, don't, he's telling us, don't worry about the trivial things. He said, don't be picky because certain things in life like eating and drinking are temporary and a means to an end. That, that I said it this afternoon uh, to my wife. We were going through the line, and she was asking me about different things, and she knows I can be somewhat picky at times. And she said, well, do you want this? And I said, no, I'll, I'll take this. And, and uh, she was saying, do you want more of that since you're not getting these things? And I said, I said, no, I'll eat again in a couple of hours. It'll be okay. This is a means to an end. It's a temporary thing. Amen. It's not the last. Lord willing, it won't be the last meal I have. Amen. Not everything has to be our way. Not everything has to be to our liking. But number five, I'll say that I believe he's telling us that we're to be thankful that someone would give to us when they didn't have to. Right. We ought to be thankful that they would give to us and they would do it all for free.
I believe that he is telling them that God will lead people to give to them as their hire for being his laborer. Here we find God taking care of his servants. The last thing I'll deal with tonight and I'll be done. We've seen, we'll be done with this, this series of messages. We have seen in verse number one, the plan of the sent. In verse 2 and 3 and 4, we see the perspective of the sent. In verse 5 and, uh, and 6, I want us to see the peace of the sent. I'll say this, and I'm going to say this in a few words. I'll be honest with you, and I'd love to get some insight from some of you men, but I've, over the years I've studied, especially verse number 6, at length. And I'll be honest with you, and I hate to admit this, but I don't have, I really cannot tell you exactly what it means. When he says, if, and if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. I'd love to see some, I'd love to see some Bible scholars in here tell me what that means. Because everybody I've ever referenced or talked to or asked about, they say the same thing. I'm not sure what it means. That's the way I feel. I told, I told my wife the other day while I was studying, I said, well, I've given it my best shot, and I still don't really have, a, have much to say about what that means. I will say this, though. On a practically speaking, I believe that he is telling us that when we're sent by God, we are to be agents of peace everywhere we go. You go to the house that God has allowed to take. And I'm not saying that we are to that we are going to operate in our ministry this way. We have our houses. Amen. We have our homes. But in this day, this is what he was saying. And he said, when God provides you with that place to go and that shelter over your head, you make sure you bless you that you, you give a blessing of peace upon them. You be an agent of peace where you go. He said, tell them peace be to this house. And in verse number six, I know that in Jewish culture, that phrase, the son of peace would be uh, someone that is, uh, would be dealing with a man or, so, or a, some person that gave themselves to peace. A, a son of war was someone that gave themselves to war and they were a man of war. A man of wrath was an angry person that would give themselves to anger. So a, or a son of peace or a son of wrath was someone that was given to anger. A son of peace is someone who gives themselves to peace. And is there not anything that is more peaceful than giving the gospel? I believe in the book of Romans, the Bible even calls it the gospel of peace. Here when we go, we are to be agents of peace. And I believe that the Bible here talks about if the son of peace be there. In other words, if they'd be willing to receive you peacefully, he said, your peace shall rest upon it in this particular time. I believe what he is saying here is that these disciples and these ministers of the Lord, when they go, when they went places and people received them on their journey, God supernaturally put a special blessing of peace on that home. They've received my labor. They've received my servant. They've housed them. They've taken care of them. And so God in this passage, I believe, and to the best of my understanding of this verse, he is telling them that he is going to smile on that home just because the servant of God says, peace be to this house. And in that blessing, God supernaturally would connect his power to that blessing and bless that house <coughs> as the servant of God would go and pronounce a blessing. Amen. But he said, if they will not receive you and they will not receive your peace, then he said, it's going to turn to you again. I believe here he's telling, reminding them, there's going to be some folks that will receive you 
and some folks that you want. But you go on anyway. You be a representative of peace. You be a minister of my peace to them. And I'm going to take care of everything along the journey. Where you go, you share my message. You tell them I'm coming. And you say, peace be to this house. And I believe personally with all of my heart, in order for you to be able to pronounce peace and give peace, you first must know what peace is. And I'm glad tonight to report to you, I know what peace is. I gave my heart to Jesus as an eight-year-old boy, and ever since I've been living in peace. God's put peace in my heart, amen, and so therefore I can give peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If we in our service for God keep our mind on Jesus and keep our heart hot for God, he will allow us to be ministers of peace while at the same time giving us peace that we can transfer to others and to share with others. That's what he wants to do for you and I that have been saved and sent by God. The story of the sent, the plan of the sent, the, the story of the sent, the, the, the plan, the perspective, and the peace of the sent is what we've dealt with in these days. I hope God's encouraged your heart tonight about our service for the Lord. I hope you want to be a laborer. I hope you want to be a servant. I hope God, you'll let God use you in that way. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Call up yonder. I need.